amen. So we're in Leviticus 7. We are uh, processing, you know, uh, process, progressing through, I should say, Leviticus. And um, we uh, looked at uh, the, tres- the the offerings, the, the different types of offerings and, and what uh, each one, uh, the differences uh, between them. Uh, and then we started in 6, uh, Leviticus 6, and, and the laws regarding these offerings. And we're continuing here in, in 7. Building up to, after this, we'll, uh, Lord willing, get into chapter 8 and the consecration of the priest, Aaron and his sons. Uh, so we'll uh, just pick up here in verse 1. Likewise, so it's just continuing on. So likewise means uh, there were other offerings, uh, laws concerning them, uh, ending in chapter 6. And we pick up in verse uh, verse 1 of chapter 7, where we're studying the law of the uh, trespass offering. <clears throat> Verse 1 says, Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall kill the trespass offering, and its blood shall uh, he shall sprinkle all around the altar, and he shall offer it from all its uh, offer from it all its fat, uh, the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks, and the fatty lobe attached. To the liver above the kidneys he shall remove, and the priest shall burn them on the altar uh, as an offering made by fire. To the Lord it is a trespass offering. Every male among the priests shall eat, uh, may eat of it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. It is most holy. The trespass offering is like the sin offering. Uh, there is one law for them both. The priest, priest who makes atonement uh, with it, uh, shall have it, and the priest who offers anyone's burnt offering, the priest shall have uh, for himself the skin of the the burnt offering which he has offered. Also, the grain offering that is baked in the oven and all that is prepared in the covered pan or in a pan uh, shall be the priest who offers who offers it. Uh, every grain offering, whether mixed or uh, with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons. Of Aaron uh, to uh, one as much as the other. So with the with the trespass offering uh, in the same place that uh, is ha- the burnt offering is offered, that's where the trespass offering will be offered. That's the altar of burnt uh, burnt offering. <clears throat> the blood would be sprinkled all around. Uh, they burn all its fat. So these are going to sound familiar because we read about them. So we read how they were to be conducted, and then these are the actual laws attached to them. So every male. Among the priests may eat, uh, may eat it, and uh, in a holy place it is most holy. So uh, they're supposed to eat that within the temple. They're not supposed to take it out as a you know a bag lunch uh, like they stopped in a McDonald's or whatever and are leaving. It's to be eaten. Every every part of this is to be set apart. Uh, so after uh, you know what is offered is offered when they eat it, they have to eat it in a in a holy place also. So uh, with the trespass offering, the priest. Uh, that makes atonement with it shall uh, shall have it. Uh, the the burnt. So this is a summary of what we just read. The burnt offering. So that's a trespass offering. The uh, the burnt offering. The priest shall have the skin of the burnt offering of what is offered. Everything else would be uh, burnt and and offered. The grain offering. The summary of that would be uh, whether it's prepared, uh, baked in a pan, uh, baked or in a pan. Uh, it shall be the priest who offers it. Then it goes on to say the mixed with oil or dry shall be the sons of Aaron in equal portions. 
So uh, just when you when you look at all those things, uh, they're going to sound familiar because we did read those. Uh, but just a little bit added here uh, for some some clarity uh, and a, a few things added uh, as we're progressing. Verse eleven uh, it deals with the peace offerings. This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall uh, offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flour mixed with oil. Besides the cakes, uh, as his offering, uh, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering. So actual leavened bread uh, is included on that also. And from it, he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering, to the Lord it shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood uh, blood of the peace offering. The flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving shall be eaten. The same day is offered. Uh, he shall not uh, leave any of it until morning. So uh, if it's offered... Uh, if offered for Thanksgiving, uh, it shall. In, in, there's the whole process, and uh, shall be eaten the same day. So it could. This one couldn't remain uh, past uh, another day or anything. And we'll see that coming up here next, verse 16. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow or voluntary offering, so a little bit different, uh, it shall be eaten the same day that he offers his sacrifice. But on the next day. Uh, the remainder of it also may be eaten if offered. Uh, so if it's offered as a vow or voluntary, it can be eaten the same day or the second day. So essentially, come ready to eat with, with these offerings. Uh, if you can't finish it in a day uh, with these specific ones, they can go on uh, to the next day. Verse 17, the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire. So uh, first, second day, great. Uh, third day, absolutely not. Verse 18, and if any flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats it, eats of it shall bear their guilt. So this isn't something to be uh, messed around with, right? So you have two days to enjoy the meat and the meals, uh, but uh, the third day, uh, it, it shall not be eaten. That's uh, very clear here. Uh, so third day, it's got to be burned with fire. It's forbidden to be eaten. Um, and now this is in here because it needs to be in here, right? There's sometimes always that one guy that's going to be like, yeah, you know, still good or uh, you know, th those types of things uh, aren't acceptable here. And God goes on uh, in these instructions that he gave to Moses to say that there would actually be uh, uh, guilt uh, upon this person for doing so. So uh, essentially, if this person negates uh, or, or just, sorry, neglects um, these instructions, then uh, it really cancels out the whole thing and it becomes an abomination, you know, a, a, a great offense to God and an abomination to the person. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, God loathes and hates something when he calls it an abomination. So it's not a good thing. And now they bear their guilt. So because they didn't obey God's commands. Now, when we get into chapter nine uh, and we start progressing on the chapters after, we're going to see many times the, the, the statement of as the Lord commanded or, um, you know, God commanded it to be. So the, the word command comes up a lot. Uh, that's because, uh, you know, when God says something, we're supposed to take it seriously, 
right? You, you ever been to, you know, think of it. You've ever been to work and, okay, you got your supervisor that you might work with all day. Uh, hopefully, we're obeying the supervisor's voice anyways. But then when the manager comes along, everybody kind of snaps to a little bit more. Then a general manager comes along. Or, you know, it, it might be a corporate office representative or something. And everybody's on their best behavior, those types of things, right? So uh, essentially, we, we should, uh, even more so with God, uh, take whatever he says very seriously. Uh, I think we tend to, in our sinful nature, pay more attention to or, or be a little more active about things because somebody's right there with us, but we don't realize that God is right in us. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, oh, yeah, God doesn't see this. Like, no, he does, you know. Uh, but but uh, there there's a very uh, clear uh, uh, command here that uh, they should not eat these things on the third day. They bear their guilt because they didn't obey God's commands. Verse 19, the flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned with fire. And as for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. So unclean, don't touch it. Burn it with fire. Clean flesh, uh, whatever has been prepared, uh, uh, you know, whoever's been prepared uh, could eat of it. And we're going to get into clean and unclean uh, as we go through, but the, the laws are being laid down uh, right now. Verse 20, But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, while he is unclean, that person shall be cut off from his people, excommunicated. Uh, moreover, the person who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanness, an unclean animal, or an abominable uh, unclean thing, and who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, that person shall be cut off from his people. So someone who's ceremonial, un ceremonially, ceremonially uh, unclean could not participate. Only those who are ceremonially clean and have gone through those processes uh, it, it, where there's the, the uh, reflection that that person is at peace with God. Uh, if they're not at peace with God, they're not to, to be taking part in these things. Uh, if we consider something like 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. The same mindset, right? Uh, if somebody is something... Uh, somebody's practices, something they've done, has deemed them unclean, whether for the day or for whatever duration it is, and they're taking part in this type of sacrifice, they're not supposed to. They're, they're, they're not supposed to be taking part in those things. So it's, it's strictly prohibited in the Scripture, so much so that if this person's uh, neglecting to obey the Word of God uh, in, in that manner, they were to be excommunicated because that type of person uh, is going to be a person that their conduct is going to negatively affect everybody else. So it's a correction uh, for them, but it's also uh, it, it's it's to uh, keep everybody else pure so that they're not being uh, defiled by this person uh, being around them. So they're specifically told not to, and if they do, they're they're cut out and excommunicated. It'd be like purging those that would, uh, you know, come in and uh, cause, you know, a little leaven uh, leavens the whole lump, right? A little bit of yeast will affect the whole loaf, uh, essentially, right? So that little bit of compromise or one person there that's just going to be there to stir things up, uh, that person would be um, uh, sent away. So uh, the, uh, you know, so careful obedience to God's word, worship him 
according to his prescribed manner. These are, are, are uh, the things that were laid down by God that everybody uh, would have to um, obey, not man's ways. Because think of it, if man, uh, if this was left up to interpret, these are very strict and very clear uh, instructions. If it was left to man, just think, of, of all the things that would be added or take to it or taken away, right, to the convenience of man. Or uh, if somebody's a little more harsh, they're going to add a bunch of things in their pride to make themselves look better and try to exclude people from being able to be part of worship, right? That's just how the, the weird heart of man is either to elevate themselves and push everybody else away or to, uh, or to uh, somehow... Uh, you know, bring defile the offering so that that everybody kind of loses uh, a reverence for God uh, within the offering. Right? Uh, we can see that type of of of, of thing happening in worship settings uh, today, right? Where people may uh, make worship about themselves. You know, where, where there's uh, I mean, we like to when we're playing up here, we like to give people the opportunity in an instrumental setting. We'll play something and, you know, these guys, you know, Corey may keep going on his bass or Shane may pick away. We're not up here. We don't shut off all the lights and put a spotlight on them. No, that's so people can just stop and meditate on what we've been singing and think to the Lord, pray to him, sing to him uh, by themselves or whatever. It's not to bring anything up. But when it becomes about the person that's maybe negatively affecting themselves or everybody else in worship, uh, that person's to be removed from there. They're, they're, they're negatively affecting everybody else's uh, worship of God, and they should not be part of it. Uh, so we just read uh, through, and uh, oh, the last thing I had to say is separate themselves uh, from those uh, with selfish motives, which I, I kind of just, uh, just touched on, or aren't interested in true worship, right? So, so somebody that's doing this is doing this on purpose, they know uh, that that they're unclean, and maybe they're embarrassed, uh, and, and they just want to be able to do this, or uh, they're hoping nobody's going to notice or whatever. But God makes it very clear that this person is not supposed to be taking part in that. Now, especially somebody who's known as a brother or sister, uh, we should know them by their fruits. Uh, you know, if somebody's going to, if they're not interested in true worship and really just, uh, you know. Uh, uh, dumbing down the worship of God and, and making it what they want. Uh, separate yourself from that person. Somebody that's going to say, "Really, do, do we need to go to church?" And you know, or or, or they want to make the uh, the worship setting about themselves or whatever it may be. Something that's going to take away from it. Uh, separate yourself from. Them. <clears throat> Verse twenty-two. Now we'll talk about the fat and the blood that may not be eaten. Neither of these sound like they'd be a problem for me. I don't necessarily want to have much to do with blood or fat. I, uh, I cut it uh, off fat. I was a wrestler in high school, so any extra fat, right, uh, was always being removed. And I've had people look at me like, you know, did you get all that? And I'm like, I, I, sorry, I just can't do it, right? You know, and, and I just, uh, it's just, it's always stuck with me. Um, do, you know, I, I have gained a few pounds since high school. I wrestled 119. I'm currently about 195. You know, some of that's muscle. Some, not so much, you know, so, um, you know, it comes to fat. Anyways, so verse 22, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel saying, you shall not eat any fat of ox or sheep or goat and uh, the fat of an animal that dies naturally and the fat of what is torn by wild beasts. 
may be used in any other way, but you shall by no means uh, eat it. So in the Old old Covenant, uh, you couldn't eat large, fatty portions of food. So uh, the same was true with sacrifices. The fat represented the goodness and abundance, and that belonged to God, right? So that would be offered up. Men was not supposed to eat it. Uh, they could use it in any other way, uh, you know, uh, but you shall by no means eat it. Uh, so uh, I don't know what any other way means. Uh, you know, you can do a search in that or whatever. I, I, I just, I, I don't really know what you'd do with a thing of fat, but it's not to be eaten. So, uh, you know, God uh, makes it clear uh, to Moses and uh, Moses is uh, relayed this uh, for sure. Verse 25, for whoever eats the fat of the animal of which men offer, an offering made by fire to the Lord, the person who eats it shall be cut off from his people. Uh, you know, this relates to the fat offered, right? That fat belonged to God. We just uh, went over that. And uh, if they did so, they sinned against God's word and they were clearly told not to. Moreover, you shall not eat any of the blood in any of your dwellings, whether a bird or beast. Uh, uh, whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. So no blood. Blood represents life, and life belongs uh, to God. So uh, in their uh, in their eatings that are listed here, there was no blood. Uh, shall not be any blood in any of their dwellings, birds or beasts. So uh, whoever does, that person should be cut off. So uh, very clear, uh, distinct instructions here. Verse 28, uh, now we're going to focus on the portion that goes to Aaron and his sons. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, He who offers uh, the sacrifice of his peace offering to the Lord, he shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offering. His own hands, he shall uh, with uh, his own hands shall bring uh, the offerings made by fire to the Lord. The fat with the beast, uh, he shall bring uh, that the that the beast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord and the priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be Aaron's and his sons. Also the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a heave offering uh, from the sacrifices of your peace offering. So the breast and the right thigh would be given to Moses, uh, to Aaron and his sons. Uh, and uh, they would burn the fat that that belonged to God. We've we've covered that. So the breast uh, would be a wave offering. So the priest would, in front of the Lord, they'd wave it side to side. But the thigh itself would be a heave offering, like you're heaving it up as an as an offering uh, to the Lord from the peace offerings. That uh, heave offering offering would be up and down. If you want to read more about that, we covered it in Exodus. Uh, chapter 27, uh, and, uh, sorry, 29, verse 27, and it explains the two in, in a little bit more detail. Uh, but the wave would be sideways, the heave would be up and down. <clears throat> verse 33, uh, he among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering, offering uh, peace offering and the fat, shall have the right thigh for his, his part. So the one that made the offering, they would get the right thigh. For for them, verse thirty four, for the beast of the wave offering and uh, sorry the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering I have taken from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings, and I have given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons from the children of Israel by a statute forever. So uh, 
the Lord is explaining here that he's taken these things from the children of Israel uh, from their peace offerings and given them. So these portions uh, were directed by God to provide for uh, Aaron and his sons because all they do, uh, they their, their, their duties, they didn't inherit land. They, gave, they were given cities uh, within uh, each portion, but the, the priests themselves uh, didn't inherit their own property. They were just given spots to live. Uh, and everything that they, the, the money they received, uh, the food that they received, uh, all those things were from Israel. So they would find their uh, sustenance in tithes and in these offerings. So that's where they would get their meals. That would, that's where they would get their money uh, and those types of things. So uh, when we when we look at these things, you know, this is God blessing them and providing for them. No doubt a great blessing for them. And, uh, you know, when we consider the blessings of God, for them, you know, their lives were dedicated to serving God, uh, they, which would mean, you know, you'd think somebody that their life is all like it would be like never leaving this church. You know, uh, on Sundays, I'm typically here about 15 hours. You know, I'll get here seven, seven thirty uh, or so, and then we'll leave at 10, 1030 after uh, the evening service is done and things are cleaned up. And, you know, we, there's good fellowship in between services and stuff. But so I'm usually here for the day. Uh, but this would mean, you know, in, in these circumstances, this would be what I do every day. Uh, and then I'm here. So I wouldn't have the opportunity to, to go out and really do anything else. And you guys know that for a year I did that. I had another job and, you know, God has been so faithful to provide. And uh, and so we're at the point where, where I could come here and, and get done with that. And it's been a so such a great blessing uh, for me. to I was exhausted. You guys might remember I was working nights, right? So I, I'd come here and we'd go to work and uh, it, it, sorry, we'd, we'd do service and then I'd go to work and I'd work till five or five or seven in the morning and kind of sleep all day. And then you know, it was really weird. Uh, but, uh, you know, God sustained and he took care of me and, um, you know, God blessed me and, and God blessed these guys. These guys were well taken care of. Uh, but there are some that uh, that might get to a point and, and it did grow to that point that uh, if if. Uh, you're going through and, and, and doing your own study. First uh, Samuel chapter two, you'll see uh, priests that were uh, abusing their power, uh, and essentially Eli, uh, Eli's son Hophni and Phineas, and uh, they they were uh, abusing their power. They were threatening uh, those offering things. Now think about that. Remember, remember Jesus, what he did when he cleansed the temple. When he's flipping things over and everything, they're in there ripping people off. They're taking from people and saying, "Oh, well, no, the offering you have here, that's not good enough. You need to get one. You need to, uh, you know, purchase one of the um, uh, pre-approved, uh, you know, offerings here. You can, you know, but your sheep isn't worth anything. Then they, well, why don't you just give us that? And then they, you know, do their own thing and, and sell it off themselves, right? Uh, so they were taking advantage of people. And uh, they were uh, and then people couldn't just buy it with their own money. They had to exchange their money for temple money at, a, at an unfair rate. Uh, and they, so they were taking and it was a burden to people. It was it was prohibiting people from offering to God with joy. Right. So uh, what did Jesus do with that? He's flipping tables over and he's driving people out with a whip. Right. So we see the wrath of God uh, being poured out upon them uh, uh, in the temple in, in the New Testament. But what we see with Eli, uh, Eli's son, Hophni and Phinehas is, man, these guys were wicked and uh, they were corrupt. The Bible says they were corrupt. And uh, some of the, your uh, other different versions may say worthless. 
They were worthless men. They were corrupt. Uh, and they didn't know. And it says they didn't know the Lord. Guys, these are people that are serving within the church. All they do is serve in the temple. But they're corrupt and they don't know the Lord. They're priests. Right? Think of that. If anybody should be should know the Lord, I mean, these guys, they know the word of God. But they didn't know the Lord. That's a problem, right? So when we're reading of these priests, you know, that they're receiving these things. Unfortunately, at some point, it got to be that it wasn't enough for some of these people. And what they, they decided uh, they were going to do is uh, they, they were fleshly and vile men. And uh, they were stealing from people. So rather than in the prescribed manner receiving their food, they were taking a three-pronged hook instead of taking the breast and thigh. And they were jamming it into the, 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 the cauldron uh, that was boiling the, the meat. Uh, and they were just taking out whatever they wanted rather than the breast and the thigh that they were supposed to take. And they, so this means they're uh, defiling these sacrifices and they're, they're taking away from the joy of the worshiper, right? Uh, or the, or the, the, the proper heart of a worshiper coming in. Uh, and they, it even says they were sleeping uh, with the women that were serving at the door of the tabernacle. These were corrupt and vile men. And, uh, you know, they, they ended up being killed when they took the Ark of the Covenant outside uh, into the, the battlefield when Israel's fighting the Philistines, uh, and they get killed. Just some people, you know, the, the goodness of God and the provision of God isn't enough. And in their selfishness, they're going to negatively affect everybody else. God prescribed, these guys ate well, right? I mean, they're getting the, the, the breast of uh, the offering, they're getting the right thigh of the offering. Uh, they weren't starving, right? And they're getting their carbs with it too, right? They're getting all these cakes that are brought in, uh, unleavened cakes and some leavened cakes of like bread and all these things. They were eating well. They were well provided for. Uh, but when you when you consider uh, sometimes uh, in man's sinful state, the provision of the Lord's not going to be enough uh, and uh, they grow uh, tired of things, and these men uh, did so. But God prescribed for them to be provided for. Verse 35. <clears throat> this is the consecrated portion. For Aaron and his sons, from the offerings made by fire to the Lord on the day when Moses presented them to minister to the Lord as priests. The Lord commanded this to be given to them by the children of Israel on the day that he anointed them by a statute forever throughout their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecrations and the sacrifice of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day when he commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. So the summary of the offerings and consecrations, what belonged to the priests, which the Lord uh, commanded Moses on Mount Sinai, uh, it was now time for all these things to be instituted, right? Because when we pick up in the next chapter in uh, Leviticus 9, I think, uh, eight, I think I said 9 earlier, I meant 8, and I apologize for that. We'll see uh, now Aaron and his sons being consecrated uh, in uh, for their uh, priesthood. So uh, if you want to understand this a little bit more and look back on this, uh, you can go back to Exodus uh, 29 and go ahead and read through that. 
uh, as a refresher, if you'd like. So Exodus 29, uh, to understand uh, where uh, the instruction was given for these and uh, how they played out uh, here in Leviticus chapter 8. So uh, what one thing we will see is God's command carefully followed. So uh, when we read through this, we're going to see that the priests were washed, they were clothed, and they were anointed. Uh, so, uh, and then we see the blood uh, that would be offered here. And how would those things apply uh, to a believer uh, to be washed uh, by the word of God, uh, sanctify? Uh, Jesus's prayer was for um, uh, the his followers to be sanctified by the truth, by your truth. And the truth is God's word, right? We see that they were clothed. Uh, for the believer, clothed, uh, we're clothed in righteousness. The old is gone and put on the new. And we're going to look into that a little bit more. And anointed, the anointing of the Holy Spirit uh, on our lives. And the blood, we've been redeemed by Christ's blood. So um, as we go through here, this we're, we're going to see the washing, the clothing, the anointing. We're going to see uh, the blood of redemption also. Verse 1, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him in the garments, the anointing oil, a bull as a sin offering, two rams and a basket of unleavened bread, and gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle meeting. So Moses did as the Lord commanded, and the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So, uh, so the Lord told Moses uh, to take Aaron and his sons uh, and gather everything together, the garments, the oil, uh, the bowl, the rams, uh, the basket of unleavened bread, uh, and then gather everybody uh, together. Uh, and uh, some, uh, some teachers believe that this was just the leaders, as there were millions of people there, and they may not have been able to see or hear. Uh, it might have been all of them. I guess it doesn't really matter. But we know that they were called to bring everybody there, uh, looking at uh, the scripture uh, just uh, at its, uh, you know, where it is right now. It could have been everybody. It could have been the leaders. Either way, they were all brought together. Uh, so they gathered everyone and every everything that was needed. Uh, and it could be that the the uh, leaders were called closer and then everybody else was there uh, to watch. With this some, something like this, I do believe personally that everybody was there because this is this is where the priesthood is being established, right? And these these folks, would see or at least be there uh, to witness what, what had just happened. Uh, so me personally, I believe that it was everybody there, as it says in there. It doesn't say gather the leaders. It says bring all of the congregation. So I, I believe that all of the congregation was there. <clears throat> Verse 5, And Moses said to the congregation, This is what the Lord commanded to be done. So we saw in uh, verse 4, it says, So Moses did as the Lord commanded. We see command. So we're going to see command, command, command. Uh, all the all through these things, and that's an emphasis on God's word and our obedience to it. Uh, verse five. And Moses said to the congregation, "This is what the Lord commanded to be done." Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water, and he put the tunic on him. So he washes uh, Aaron and his sons. He calls everybody together, talks to them, and says, "This is what God commands." Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons, and they washed him with water. And then verse 7, it switches to just Aaron here with the clothing. And then we'll get into his sons here in a minute. But 7 says, And he put the tunic on him, girded him with the sash, 
clothed him with a robe, put the ephod on him, and he girded him with the intricately woven band of the ephod, and with it tied the ephod, uh, and with it tied the ephod on him. So uh, Moses starts out by saying, "This is what the Lord commanded to be done," uh, making sure that everybody understood. I am doing this because God said to do it. So he's what he's saying is, I'm demonstrating obedience to God uh, in doing this, these things that are about to take place. Aaron and his sons are doing this in obedience to God. You see, they're leading by example. Uh, that's important for us when we understand the leadership roles that we have been put in, not necessarily just at work. Guys, if you're, if you're the lowest on the totem pole, you may be a spiritual leader at work. Just be obedient to what God has called us to do, and we're going to reflect. If we're reflecting God's word, uh, we're we're going to to uh, be a witness to those people, and they're going to see there's something different about us, right? But these guys in their ministry are obeying God's command, and and the nation of Israel gets to see them in obedience to God. They uh, notice here that they didn't wash themselves; they were washed. The, uh, the spiritual uh, implications that are, are there also. And we're not given the details whether this was full immersion or some sort of sponge-type uh, bath, but they were washed. It uh, be a humbling experience, right? Uh, uh, but that's good. They're about to go into uh, ministry. They've already been uh, set apart for these things, but now they're about to step into ministry, uh, and it's good for them to be humbled walking into ministry because ministry uh, is about being the greatest servant of all, right? If you want to be great, you have to become the service the servant of all, right? And, and that minister, me, uh, as the pastor here, I'm called to be the great, the, the, the biggest servant within the church. That's, that's actually part of my duty. It's not to walk in and everybody open the doors and stand there and Guys, there are great weirdness. Uh, there are great weirdness. There is great weirdness uh, within uh, Christianity that, that these people that, that end up in these pastoral roles end up becoming the rock star. Oh, you, you shouldn't be picking that. What are you doing? Right? Oh, oh, oh you, you're, you're too good for these things. I was in the study. Uh, and pray for the, the, the Bible study at, at Hancock County. Um, the first week there was one guy. Last week, uh, The next week there were four uh, last week, I don't know if they were all in, in, in court or whatever. Nobody wanted to do it. Um, and I think maybe it, it, the word just didn't get out or whatever because today there were like six to eight guys. I couldn't see them all. Um, they, were, uh, they weren't all in the camera view, and I couldn't see what they were doing off the camera either. But, uh, you know, hopefully paying attention. But um, there, were, there were some pretty good things. And, and unfortunately, um, their, uh, their audio, I couldn't hear what they were saying. Uh, so they would have to come right up to the the, the speaker uh, into the receiver and talk and then go back. So it was it was hard. Pray that sometime soon I can actually get in there. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. What was I just talking about? What's that? Weirdness. Oh yeah. So they just asked me. Thank you. Weirdness. Yeah. Um, they asked me. So so what do you want to be called? And you guys know here, John. <laughs> Right. Okay. My role here is pastor, but but my what I I like to be addressed as is my name is John. You know I I, I didn't you know think of Jesus Christ. Uh, he he came to serve. Right. He came to serve. Right. He's the ultimate example of of a, of a good shepherd. Right. I'm I'm called to be the local shepherd here, working under the good shepherd. Right. I'm not here to be served, but to serve. Unfortunately, this has gotten totally reversed, and people have lost sight. 
of, of what it is, right? This isn't me up here saying, I don't know. No, but essentially we need to understand that within Christianity that, that I mean, I'm reading um, in the, uh, I'm, I'm kind of going through the, uh, the Calvary distinctives uh, and I was just reading up on it this week. Just, I want to, I want to brush up on, it. it's been a little while since I've read it, but I'm reading, you know, Chuck Smith, everybody would hear of Chuck Smith, especially now people know who he is because of the Jesus revolution movie that came out. Right. You know, Chuck Smith, even at, at, at um, um, pastors conferences was bugged when everybody would get up uh, and they would leave their, their, their drinks, um, uh, you know, on the ground or anything. And he'd stay behind and he'd clean, or he'd go out into the church parking lot and pick up cigarette butts and everything. What he's trying to, what he, you know, he, he, and that was so nobody else would know, but what he's trying to say is, you are not to, if you're called to be a pastor, you're not the one that everybody's there to be in awe of and, and that everybody should be serving you with silver platters. No, you're there to serve the church. And uh, you know these guys here, uh, to be humbled uh, before they come into ministry, that's, that's very key because we can get to a point where we think, oh, well, I'm at this level, so I'm better. And no, it's no, you're the servant of all. Uh, it, it's different. Uh, things are different in God's, in God's economy. You know, they're called to humbly serve the king and minister to his flock. So they're all washed with water. And we know the scriptures say the washing of the water by the word, right? You know, as you're, as you're walking, reading through the word and how it washes, the, the cleansing effect the word has on us. Then he starts to clothe Aaron with the, with the priestly garments that we read. And we've seen the pictures a couple times of what those would look like. If you need to know more, I can show you after service or uh, email them to you if you want. Or just go on to Blue Letter Bible and I'll look them up and you'll find them there. That's where I got them from. But it says that they would put the ephod on them and uh, that, that multicolored uh, robe uh, type thing that would have the sleeves cut out uh, of it. And uh, uh, that would be there. Uh, and uh, on the uh, shoulders would be uh, the onyx stones with the 12 tribes of Israel's names uh, being on the shoulder straps, meaning, you know, I am uh, representing uh, the, the, the tribes or uh, the tribes are on my shoulders and spiritually, uh, uh, you know, carrying them with me. Verse 8, then he put the breastplate on him, and he put the urim and the thummim in the breastplate. So that 10-inch square that was doubled, right, uh, it would be uh, put here, and it would fasten the gold chains up to the ephod uh, so that it would hang down uh, over their chest. And uh, the stones of the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were engraved on them with different colors, different stones for each tribe. We uh, studied those, and so... It would be a symbol to the minister that the that the tribes, the one those that are ministering to, uh, they're ministering to and ministering for, uh, they would be um, close to his heart. Uh, and it says the Urim and the Thummim. We don't know exactly what they are, and we've already talked about those, uh, but they seem to be maybe even two identical stones that would be put in, uh, and they would be used for things like casting lots to determine God's will. Uh, so that they were put inside the breastplate. Uh, where uh, they would reach their hand in and pull out, and they would learn what God's will was uh, based on the Urim and the Thummim. Uh, verse 9, and he put the turban on his head, also the turban uh, on its, uh, also on the turban on its front, he put the golden plate, the holy crown, uh, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So we see as the Lord commanded Moses again. 
here. So the focus of Aaron's ministry is God's holiness and on, on his mind and evident to all, right? So when that's put on there, it's, it's a symbolic crown, right? And it would say, it said holiness to the Lord or the Lord is holy uh, as they would have understood that. So it's a reminder to all that would see Aaron wearing it, holiness to the Lord. Uh, so Aaron was washed and clothed and the, as the Lord had commanded and according to the word. And uh, it, when we see everything saying here, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So everybody that would see Aaron, they would see that crown on there. And it doesn't say great and, and powerful Oz on there, great and powerful Aaron. It says holiness to the Lord. So there was a reminder that any holiness he has is the Lord's. So when anybody looks in that crown, that crown belongs to God, uh, and it points to God and his holiness and, and uh, um, was a reminder. Because Aaron couldn't see what that said, but those who saw Aaron could read what it said. Also, Moses, verse 10, took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that, that was in it and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointing the altar and all its utensils and the labor and its base and consecrated them. Uh, and he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. So to uh, consecrate is to dedicate to the service of God. Uh, so the oil, uh, they would, with the oil, uh, he anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it. Um, and uh, essentially that oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit being a part of all of this, uh, this worship. And uh, we want the Holy Spirit involved in every, that's part of the prayer of every service we, we, we are, are offering to the Lord is we, we want him here. Uh, we don't want to just meet here and Babylon and and you know act like we're singing songs and our hearts are far from him. No, we want the Holy Spirit Spirit very much ministering and very much blessed and pleased uh, every time we uh, are here. We want him working and we want him blessed. Right? We we want those those things to take place here. And it says they sprinkled the altar seven times. That number of completion. Right on the altar, the utensils, the labor in its base, everything, everything. Uh, touched by the Holy Spirit, right? To consecrate them, dedicate them to the service of God. Aaron and his sons, the tabernacle, all within it, everything, anointed, the oil poured on uh, Aaron's head, uh, consecrating him. And think about that. That oil you know, poured on his head then would then come all the way down. Uh, so this is, this is quite a ceremony uh, that's taking place that everybody gets to witness and gets to watch. Um, this isn't something they're going to forget. You know, that would be something that that the select few that, you know, that that got to actually see that. And, um, uh, you know, I don't I don't know the setting that everybody would be able to see, but they'd be like, yeah, I, I actually watched when <clears throat> when Moses poured this uh, the, the oil down uh, Aaron's head and it rolled, you know, rolled off his beard and rolled off and, and ran all the way down, you know, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Right. Verse 13, then Moses brought Aaron's sons. So after, so they washed them all, but then they, they, um, they dressed uh, Aaron. And then uh, as they dressed him, dressed him uh, then they, uh, he, he poured oil on his head and anointed him. Then in verse 13, then Moses brought Aaron's sons and put tunics on them, girded them uh, with sashes and put hats on them uh, as the Lord commanded Moses. So Aaron clothed. Uh, sorry, uh, so Moses clothed 
Aaron, and then he closes Aaron's clothes, Aaron's sons. So then Moses puts the tunics, the sashes, the hats on them, as the Lord had commanded Moses and said there again. Moses, you know, they're not they're, they're not like you know taking these things and you know I remember uh, you know basic training, getting our uniforms. It was chaos, right? I mean, there's there's just uh, you know, people everywhere and everybody's getting their stuff and they're going, they're trying these things on. And it was an exhausting day because you're, you're getting things, you're getting yelled at, you got to stand there and, you know, they're measuring this and they're putting this on and, you know, doing all these things. And, uh, and then you got to go try all these things on. This is Moses dressing each of these, these guys, right? They were washed, they were clothed and, to, and anointed. None of it done by themselves. Verse 14, and he brought the bull of the sin offering. And uh, then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering. So this is a sin offering for them. And, and Moses killed it. Uh, so for the priest, for Aaron and the priest, they had to offer their own sin offering for their consecration process. Then he took the blood and put some of the horn, uh, some on the horns of the altar all around uh, with his finger and purified the altar. And he pured uh, poured uh, the the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. Uh, then he took all the fat that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys with their fat, and Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull, its hide, its flesh, and its awful, or awful, however you want to look at that, uh, he burned with fire outside the camp as the Lord had commanded Moses. So Moses performed these uh, for the consecration ceremony. Moses killed the bull, uh, you know, and then uh, as they put their hands on it to confess their own sins, Moses killed it. This will be the last time Moses does it until, uh, you know, in this whole ceremony. It, it actually happens again here with the rams here in a little bit. But after this whole ceremony is done, then it's the job of the priest to do it. But until then, Moses is the one that God is using as a priest for the priests, okay? So uh, to, to, to serve in, in their place until they've been consecrated. So Moses killed the bull uh, with, after they put their hands on it, and then he took the blood and he put some of the uh, blood on the horns of the altar and all around with his fingers and uh, poured out the blood on the base of the altar and, uh, to, consecr and uh, to consecrate it and uh, to make atonement for it. Uh, so all of these things are being cleansed and consecrated, set apart for uh, for the service of God. And he took the fat, burned it on the altar as he was supposed to. He took the bull, its hide, its flesh, its offal, uh, you know, the waste uh, stuff, and, and burned it outside the camp. They were to be, and we've discussed that already, to be taken outside the sin offering, to be taken outside the camp. Uh, so, uh, and, and important to note when they offer a sin offering, then they could have the hide for themselves, but for them, uh, it was, it was to be burned. So Aaron and his sons uh, took over these priestly duties, uh, later, but, uh, at first it's Moses. So again, it says, as the Lord had commanded Moses, verse 18, then he brought the ram of the burnt offering and, uh, Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram and Moses killed it. So uh, the sin offering first, now the burnt offering. Then uh, he sprinkled the blood all around on the altar, and he cut the ram into pieces. And Moses burned the head, the pieces, and the fat. And then he washed the entrails and the legs in water, and Moses burnt, uh, burned the whole ram on the altar. 
It was a burnt sacrifice, a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. So Moses again doing this. Uh, Aaron and his sons put their hands on the head, and uh, then they offered it all uh, as a sweet aroma to the Lord, as the Lord had commanded, again said there. Verse 22, and he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, uh, and Moses killed it. Same thing, right? Moses kills it after they put their head, hands on the head of it. Uh, and he took some of, uh, so this is the ram of consecration. So we had uh, the uh, sin offering, the burnt offering. Now this is the ram uh, that was offered as a part of their actual consecration. Uh, specifically, then Aaron and his sons uh, laid their hands on the head of the ram and Moses killed it. And he took some of the blood and put it, it on the tip of Aaron's right ear. So here's a big difference, right? So he takes the blood, puts it on Aaron's right ear and the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. None of this was at random. This was all as the Lord had commanded. We've read this before in Exodus. Then he brought Aaron's sons and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ears, on the thumbs of their right hands, and on the big toes of their right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around on the altar. So the second ram was of consecration. Moses killed it. Aaron's sons put their hands on it. Uh, then Moses takes the blood and he put it on their right ear, the right thumb, and the right a big right toe, right? And we talked about this before. That would be symbolic of listening um, listening to God's word uh, on the hand, doing God's work, uh, and on the right the right toe, walking in God's way. Those symbolisms uh, that, that were there, that would be symbolic of them listening, doing, and walking according to God's word and, and his way. And so after he did that to Aaron, he did it with the sons, uh, and he sprinkled the blood all around. Um, and we see uh, as this is all uh, kind of taking place here, the washed, redeemed by the blood, clothed and anointed. That's all uh, already happened within what we've read. Verse 25, then he took the fat and the tail and all the fat that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and their fat and the right thigh. And uh, from the basket of the unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake and a cake of unleavened oil, uh, un, un, sorry, and a cake of bread anointed with oil and one wafer and put them on the fat and on the right thigh uh, that, uh, and he put all these uh, in Aaron's hands and his son's hands and uh, and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. So all these things, right? So we already saw them receiving these grain offerings uh, and those things and receiving the right thigh, and uh, they would wave it as an offering before the Lord, right? Uh, verse 28, then Moses took them from their hands and burned them on the altar uh, on the burnt offering. They were consecrated. So in this case, they wouldn't eat those, but uh, for, for the consecration uh, uh, ceremony, they were, they were burnt. Uh, they were consecrating. Uh, they were consecration offerings for a sweet aroma. It says that was uh, an offering made by fire to the Lord. And uh, Moses took the breast and waved it as a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses' part of the ram uh, of consecration, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So uh, the wave offering, the side to side, um, as a as the Lord had commanded. Uh, verse 30, then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood that was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron, on his garments, 
and uh, on his sons and on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with him. So the oil and the blood. Uh, Spurgeon had this to say. Yes, brethren, we need to know that double anointing. The blood of Jesus, which cleanses, and the oil of the Holy Spirit, which perfumes us. It is well to see how these two blend in one. That the blood, and I'll read that again. Yes, brethren, we know that a double anointing, the the blood of Jesus which cleanses, and the oil of the Holy Spirit which perfumes us. It is well to, uh, to see how these two blend in one. So he blended those two and sprinkled them on uh, on them and on their garments. So the priests were called to, to, to serve as living sacrifice, right? We are, um, uh, uh, but they actually had to live out their lives doing these things and, and offering these things. And we can see how that would uh, relate to Romans chapter 12, where we're called to live our lives as um, living sacrifices. So they were consecrated, dedicated to the service of the Lord, uh, and their priestly garments were also uh, consecrated. Verse 31, And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and eat it there uh, with the bread that is in the basket of the consecration offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it, which what remains of the flesh and of the bread, uh, you shall burn with fire. So now it's time to feast. The consecration is over, and uh, they have food to eat. So after all of this process was completed, they could celebrate, and they were told to boil the flesh. But they had to eat it there. There was no take-home but, you know, baggy or anything. I, I know, um, you know, when I've had a big meal and it doesn't happen often that I have to ask for a box. Uh, you know, when we go to uh, Jen and I go to, um, you know, Olive Garden, uh, I'm usually done with my meal before Jen's a quarter of the way through hers. I, that's just how I eat. I, I don't know if I think somebody's going to come take my meal or whatever, but I usually eat my, I think I eat it fast, but I've been amongst guys that I'm like, I thought I was a fast eater, right? I've been the slow guy before, but uh, but uh, you know I don't usually take things home. These guys were told they couldn't take things home, right? Uh, so uh, they had to eat them all. They had to eat them uh, there in a holy place uh, and uh, enjoy their meal. Uh, so they would have the bread that was in the basket for the consecration offerings. And uh, it's it, it says here that Aaron said uh, that uh, Moses says as I um, uh, as I commanded. You know, the Lord had commanded Moses, and uh, Moses is now commanding them uh, to do as God had told them, right? So Moses was told, and then Moses told them what to do, and they were to obey what Moses said. Verse 33, you shall not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting uh, for seven days until the days of your consecration are ended. For seven days uh, he shall consecrate you and uh and he has done that as he has done this day. So the Lord has commanded to do um, to make atonement for you. Therefore, uh, you shall stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord so that you may not die. OK, life or death. Yeah, I can stay here. Right. Uh, for so I have been commanded. So uh, Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses. So they had to stay there for seven days. 
the, it's uh, talking of the day of uh, dedication, a week of consecration, right? Aaron uh, will bless the people uh, next chapter in Leviticus chapter 9. Um, but to make atonement for them, they had to stay there. Uh, they had to keep the charge of the Lord so that they would not die. Uh, and Moses again says, for I have been commanded. The Lord um, you know, spoke to Moses. Moment, uh, Moses is demonstrating that careful obedience to God's word. Uh, and uh, he, and it goes on to say, so they did all the Lord that the Lord had commanded Mo by the hand of Moses. So Moses is being obedient, be an example to them. And then they are obedient uh, to Moses and uh, you know, essentially to God's word. Uh, leave you with this. First Peter chapter two, verse five, uh, considering Christians today, we are um, we are, are, are called to live out a, a priesthood. Uh, so first Peter chapter two, verses five and verse nine say you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean we all get, go get robes and we're all going to go through this. What is being described here is that God is, is building us up, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, right? That the, the way we live our lives, we're called uh, to, to, to be like in Romans 12 where it says, um, live our lives as uh, uh, living sacrifices, to the Lord, being obedient to him, right? Uh, so it says here, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to, the, to God through Jesus Christ. So our service to him uh, would be acceptable through Jesus Christ. Verse 9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That we're supposed to reflect God to the lost world, right? We're supposed to be offering up spiritual sacrifices by the way we live our lives, by carrying out the command of the Lord. You know, what God has said, living out our lives as living sacrifices, that we would die to ourselves and, uh, and live to God, right? That's what we're called to do. I'll leave you with these last things. Uh, they, we saw them washed. We saw them... Um, we saw the um, we saw them clothed. We saw them. Um, we saw the blood being offered re redemption by blood, and we saw them anointed. So uh, we have been washed of our sins. First Corinthians six eleven tells us that we've been redeemed by His blood. Hebrews nine twelve tells us we've been clothed in in Christ's righteousness. Romans thirteen verse fourteen tells us that. Anointed with the Holy Spirit, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27. We see this happening in the priesthood, right? And then when we're called priests uh, to minister to other people, the New Testament says that we serve as priests, not with the robes, not with the tabernacle, anything. Spiritual sacrifices. We've been washed. We've been redeemed. We've been clothed in Christ's righteousness. We've been anointed with the Holy Spirit. So we're dedicated to serving the Lord as living sacrifices, as Romans 12 says. We are. We need to uh, listen to right the the ear, the thumb, and the, the the toe. We need to listen to carefully follow His word and minister to people to do as He says and walk in His ways. Glorify and honor Him in all that we do and say, and point others to Him by our words and our works. Right when they would, where everybody would look at. at uh, Aaron the high priest and see holiness to the Lord or they would see uh, the 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 
a nation of Israel being represented, that we would have those close to our hearts, right? That we would reflect that when people look at us, that they would see the Lord, right? As though we're wearing uh, that type of um, the type of crown that that they would see that would point to God and bring Him great glory, right? Um, you know, when we consider let what what the Lord said in the Beatitudes, right? Uh, let your light so shine bef uh, uh, before me. You are city on a hill, right? Uh, but let your light so shine um, before men that they may see your good works and uh, glorify your Father in heaven, right? Let your light so shine that we will bring glory to him. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we are so, so grateful. So grateful that we can learn more about how you work, what you do, the symbolism of, of these things. Lord, help us uh, to live out our lives that we would please you, Lord. We thank you that, that we have been washed, redeemed, clothed in Christ's righteousness, anointed with the Holy Spirit. Help us to carefully follow uh, your commands, your word in our lives and bring you glory and honor. And Lord, that when the world around us, our family, friends, whatever, what they see in us is Christ that we would pro uh, properly represent you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace and